0: Hello, and welcome to JOSPT Insights, the podcast that aims to help you translate quality research to quality practice. I'm Claire Ardern, the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Orthopaedic and Sports Physical Therapy. It's great to have you listening today. Dr. Paul Dykstra is a sport physician and the Director of Medical Education at the Aspatar Orthopaedic and Sports Medicine Hospital in Doha, Qatar and today we're walking through his approach to diagnosing and managing hip pain in youth athletes. We focus on primary cam morphology. Is it a plain and simple bump, nothing to worry about, or is it much more of a burden? Dr. Dykstra's PhD research is focused on understanding what is primary cam morphology, and in doing so, trying to answer questions like how does the shape of the athlete's hip relate to femoroacetabular impingement syndrome? What causes hip pain in the athlete? Does primary cam morphology cause osteoarthritis? And what are the best approaches to managing hip pain in athletes? These are the questions that the Yahir Collaborative, the Young Athletes Hip Research Collaborative, which Dr Dykstra has convened, are tackling. And you'll hear more about the Yahira Collaborative in today's episode. If you'd like to hear more about the young athlete's perspective on what it means and what it feels like to have CAM morphology, and about dealing with the prospect of hip pain curtailing one's sporting career, jump back in your feed to episode 72 to hear from Dr. Lindsay Plass. Okay, here's today's episode. Dr. Paul Dykstra, welcome to JOSPT Insights.
1: Thank you very much, Claire, and thank you for having me.
0: It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Paul. Today, we're talking all things about the shape and the structure of the athlete's hip with a particular focus on the young athletes for reasons that I'm sure we're going to get into a little bit later on. But let's jump straight into the bony shape of the hip. And here, there's a bit of a mess of different terms that people might have heard and read about. Can I get you to start by explaining what is primary cam morphology, please?
1: So in essence, uh, camorphology refers to a prominence or a bump at the head-neck junction of the femur in the hip. Camorphology may be primary, uh, for example, due to skeletal loading patterns at the hip, or secondary due to pre-existing hip disease or uh, acute trauma. The latter include Perthes disease, uh, slipped capital femoral epiphysis, uh, healed proximal femoral fractures or acute fracture, etc. Primary camouflage is camouflage that is not caused by previous disease, injury, or an acute event. And a while back, we we published a paper in the British Journal of Sports Medicine titled Primary Camouflage, Bump, Burden, or Box Standard, and this was a a concept analysis. Now, this paper was laser-focused on primary camouflage because we felt that The community of sports medicine clinicians, researchers, and patients interested in hip-related pain needs to clarify and clearly delineate what they mean when using terms such as cam morphology, cam lesions, cam type impingement, or cam deformity. Um, So clarifying the taxonomy terminology and definition of primary cam morphology were key steps to assist this community to then distinguish between what is a normal variant, so to speak, or box standard, and what is a pathology or a burden in athletes with with uh, primary camorphology. And this is sometimes quite often difficult to know. To answer your question, primary camorphology is a cartilage or bony prominence or bump of varying size at the femoral head-neck junction which changes the shape of the femoral head from spherical to aspherical. And it often occurs in asymptomatic male athletes in, in, in both hips. The cartilage or bony alpha angle calculated from radiographs, CT scans, or MRI imaging is the most common method to measure pamorphology or operationalize this.
0: Now, Paul, in your work as a sports medicine physician, working with athletes who have got this bump on their hip. How are you framing that bump to them? How do you explain what's going on to a, a patient or to an athlete?
1: So I think this is really important. And the key message there in in framing this, this morphology is that we feel it's a, a normal developmental morphology of the hip. It develops as, as a normal physiological response to, to high-load sporting activity and maybe other unconfirmed risk factors. And the vast majority of athletes will never know they have this morphology and will never develop any symptoms or hip disease consequences. So that's the first bit, to frame it as a normal physiological response in the hip. And the second important element is to frame it using language that, that's positive and that's not medicalizing or... Fear mongering this morphology. So call it a morphology or a bump or maybe a prominence and do not call it a lesion or an abnormality.
0: We're really focused today on the shape of the hip and particularly the shape of the femur. And we're talking about that bump on the femoral head neck junction as CAM morphology. How does one go about differentiating the different sources of hip pain? in athletes. Is it always a case of an athlete comes to you saying, my hip hurts, I should presume that this is something related to the morphology? Or are there some other differential diagnoses that you're interested in as a sports physician?
1: No, the morphology per se is not necessarily the cause of the pain. In some athletes, this morphology might be associated with what we would call femoral acetabular impingement syndrome based on symptoms, on clinical findings, and on imaging findings of either CAM, pincer or a combination of these two orthologies.
0: So how important is imaging the hip in your clinical practice, Paul?
1: In a patient or an athlete that presents with, with hip-related pain or the possible diagnosis of femoral acetabular impingement syndrome, imaging is important. Radiographs, AP pelvis, and a lateral hip image is what I would do as as first-line imaging. I wouldn't necessarily image all athletes that present the first time with groin pain or possible hip-related pain or femoral stubble impingement syndrome. It really depends on the athlete. But as a starting, if I do want to image radiographs, AP pelvis and lateral radiographs would be the first line of imaging.
0: Now can you repeat for us the difference between primary cam morphology and femoroacetabular impingement syndrome please
1: So this is really important and I th- I think we should not uh, refer to primary cam morphology or the morphology as femoroacetabular impingement it's a morphology femoroacetabular impingement syndrome is where the athlete presents or the patient presents with symptoms so an asymptomatic primary care morphology is a morphology, full stop.
0: To underscore, I think it's a really important message that the morphology alone is not sufficient for the diagnosis of femoroacetabular impingement syndrome. It's really that combination of the morphology and the symptoms that's critical here.
1: Absolutely. Uh, the, 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 the symptoms, pain, stiffness, plus the a positive clinical finding like a, fle- uh, a FADER test, a positive FADER test, flexion, a deduction and internal rotation, and the imaging findings of CAM and OPEN's or combination.
0: So let's talk about a clinical case then. Let's imagine that a young athlete comes in to see you with his parents and he's had left hip pain for the last six months and that pain is getting worse, he says. His training load at the Football Academy where he's based is recently ramped up, and that's in preparation for a brand new season. He's played at that academy for a couple of years now. He's had x-rays, and the x-rays show bilateral cam His parents have been advised that their son should have a hip arthroscopy on the left side to remove that that bump on his hip. But his parents are pretty concerned about diving in too quickly into what's a pretty invasive treatment, particularly for a young person. Well, for anyone, but particularly for a young person. What do you want to know from this young athlete today, Paul? And then, what would you advise him and his parents about managing his left hip pain today, and for the next few months as he goes into a pretty busy football season or soccer season?
1: This young football player has what we would refer to then as femoroacetabular impingement syndrome, assuming that the player also had a positive Fader test. Femoroacetabular impingement syndrome with Primary chem morphology. A detailed general and injury specific uh, clinical history is, is important. And I would aim further history at at least four additional areas that would help me to guide further deliberation with the player and, and his parent and, and, and uh, coach uh, about a possible treatment plan. So first of all, more about the, the symptoms, the, the, the nature of the symptoms, the type and your, duration pain stiffness reduced hip range of motion etc what brings it on what makes it worse or what what improves uh, the symptoms this is important to take uh, to take into consideration and for me really important to take time to listen to the player's story and maybe also to the to the parents story so they might enter this room with a real concern so spend time to get behind the symptoms. I think this is really important. This is why the, the player presents to you. The second element is uh, I would like to know more about the football player's training. So the type of training, the volume, and also their, their performance expectations, as you've said. You might be going into a very busy playing season. Are they preparing for an important game? And does this player and their parents consider football as a possible career. Thirdly, I'll, I'd also ask about the players and parents understanding of cam morphology. What's being communicated to them following the x-rays? Do they have any concerns? We know that imaging findings and how these are communicated to patients could cause unnecessary fear and anxiety. Clinicians, as I've mentioned, often use words like lesion, abnormality, deformity that could frame the need for an intervention like surgery to to get rid of this bump or to reduce future osteoarthritis might be might be said and finally i would like to know more about the treatment to date and the maybe the treatment options available at the at the academy specifically what we would like to refer to as clinician led progressive exercise rehabilitation acknowledging here that not Only a physiotherapist could deliver this type of treatment, but also, for example, athletic trainers or biokineticists. So key here is about, for me, is a multidisciplinary approach to managing the players' and parents' expectations, combining exercise rehabilitation, education, and a discussion about the activity and or sport. So... My advice then about managing the player today and over the next few months would include, firstly, that it should be a multidisciplinary approach with the player and his parents at the center. Ideally, this team should also include a sport and exercise medicine physician, a physical therapist and the football coach. Many academies, as we know, would also provide their players access to sports psychology. Sports nutrition, podiatry, and, and, and these might, these colleagues might be a really important part of this multidisciplinary team. Again, depending on, on where we are with this player. And second is important to in the short term, manage the player's symptoms. So I would consider a short course of analgesics or a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medication, maybe for up to two weeks sometimes. Thirdly, as I've mentioned, it's really important to deal with fear and expectations, especially when the message has already been given, you need surgery to fix this bump. So I would take a lot of time, and this might not happen in one consultation, to gradually deal with and and, uh, walk this road of dealing with fear and, and expectation. So important, therefore, to create with this multidisciplinary team an environment of trust, a safe space to discuss and communicate and have clear messages as a team. Fourthly, I think it's really important to set realistic short, medium, and long-term goals and tailor treatment to the player and individual assessment findings. And importantly, that exercise therapy and rehabilitation is not a quick fix. Here, I would stress perhaps close to a three to six months time frame.
0: That all sounds really good, Paul. So it sounds like this is not about taking surgery off the table forever necessarily. It's more about saying, hey, surgery is an invasive treatment and there are some other options that we might want to think about first. And and part of that is this very, I'd like to call it progressive exercise therapy, some really good exercise therapy first off.
1: I agree, and and contemporary progressive exercise therapy should be informed by by the players' needs and preferences, and should address, as I've mentioned, player specific let's call it impairments uh, for lack of a better word for now. But uh, specific hip related impairments in uh, FAI syndrome that the therapy team might look at uh, include hip muscle weakness, for instance, particularly hip adductors and lower trunk uh, strength bilaterally. Poor dynamic single leg balance and lower functional task performance. So these are some of the elements that the therapy team will address. And none of these impairments can be corrected by, by surgery alone.
0: There is a lot of research going on in this field to help us as rehabilitation clinicians to make well-informed decisions into the future about what sorts of exercises, how often, with whom, all of those sorts of questions that we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. People are studying that as we speak and will hopefully have some answers for us in the not-too-distant future.
1: Absolutely. And and kudos to the work by Professor Kemp and collaborators in this space.
0: Absolutely. Paul, I'd like to pick up on two things that you briefly mentioned when we were talking about this athlete case. One was the idea of loading. Do we have enough information to to know for sure whether loading causes the CAM morphology or the femoroacetabular impingement syndrome? Where are we up to with understanding what causes the bump on on the, on the side of an athlete's hip?
1: This is a very good question. And the short answer is no, we don't have enough information yet. And the longer answer is, we are pretty confident that load does play a role. What type of load—the the volume, the duration—we don't know. And there's only a handful of prospective studies in in this space. Um, Southampton Football Football Club comparing football academy players with school sport and sedentary adolescents. Their findings indicate that load definitely plays a role. The alpha angle as an outcome measure on imaging, MRI imaging, increased over time more in the academy players compared to the school sport and sedentary players. The Feyenoord football cohort in the Netherlands, they used radiographs and there wasn't a the control group. But again, a strong association between increasing size of the alpha angle over time in this football cohort. Qatar Stars League players from memory age 18 to roughly 30. There's a high prevalence of this morphology in in that football cohort, up to 72% of Qatar Stars League football players had this morphology. So more work is needed, and specifically more work involving, first of all, girls and women. We have absolutely no prospective data on, on girls and, and women athletes. And we have no data on athletes uh, in the global south. There's a good indication that that the growth spurt uh, roughly between the age of 11 to maybe 13. That's the, that's the key focus area.
0: Now, while we're on the causal pathway discussion and what causes an outcome, let's pick up on osteoarthritis, because I think this is another really key concern of parents and athletes and and folks who are working in this area. What do we know about CAM morphology or the shape of the hip and then osteoarthritis happening later down the track? Does the CAM morphology cause hip osteoarthritis?
1: Again, a very good question. And I think we can say there's a strong causal relationship between CAM morphology and, and osteoarthritis. I'm referring here to excellent work in this space done by Professor Paul Buley in Canada and also Ryncha Agricola and also Professor Shondren-Jones. So indicating that there's a strong association, a strong causal relationship between chemorphology and osteoarthritis. But the message here is the vast majority of athletes or patients with this morphology Will never develop any symptoms and will never develop osteoarthritis.
0: Paul, as we wrap up, I'm very keen to hear a little bit more about this group that you've gathered together and are leading called the Yahir Collaborative. What is the Yahir Collaborative and how can listeners get involved?
1: The Young Athletes Hip Research or Yahir Collaborative is an international multi-professional stakeholder group that aims to add research value and reduce research waste on conditions affecting the hip or the athletes, young athlete's hip. We partner to promote and protect athletes' hip health through higher quality research. Yahir is is an Arabic name that means they will enlighten. And this is what we'd like to do through better quality research. We would like to enlighten. The current focus is primary camorphology and, and, and its natural history. I've mentioned to our preliminary concept analysis that we've recently published and following that concept analysis, 11 webinars in the pandemic time. And these 11 webinars really helped to mobilize this community of interested clinicians, clinician researchers, methodologists, journal editors, patients, and the public referring to clinicians, radiologists, physical therapists, sport and exercise medicine physicians, and surgeons to look into this morphology and its, its, its natural history. And this resulted in the Oxford consensus. And the aim of the Oxford consensus was to inform a more rigorous, inclusive, and evidence-based approach to research on primary care and its natural history. And how to get involved, this is not a club, this is not an exclusive group, anyone interested in this field. So there's an open invitation and maybe for now, get in touch with, with me or with some of the main authors on the two Oxford Consensus manuscripts that will soon be published. And secondly, we will soon launch our uh, here website where it will be clear on how to get involved. And there's different ways of getting involved. Our aim is to, to facilitate high quality research through shared resources, for instance, through facilitating collaboration, through sharing data, and especially through co-production. It's a community that is, that is interested in improving research quality. And anyone interested in that is, is welcome to join.
0: Paul, I want to say thanks on behalf of the community for. Sharing this space, creating this space for us all to gather and share knowledge and experiences and work together to, as you say, reduce research waste and do better quality research that's going to help us, help the patients that we're all working with. Thank you for creating that space for us.
1: You're very welcome, Claire. And I also want to thank JOSPT. You've been instrumental um, in this, during this whole journey. I'm thinking of the 11 webinars and the recent HIP symposium and research meeting we had in Oxford.
0: It's a pleasure and we'll have to bookmark another appointment to re- record a podcast with you and hear an update in the in the coming months and years ahead as the Yahira Collaborative takes off. Dr Paul Dykstra, thanks for joining me on JOSPT Insights.
1: Thank you very much, Claire, for having me.